are back in the book of Romans today. Hi and welcome. This is Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse. Please make it a point to join us for the next 25 minutes as we are encouraged in Christ. Romans, straight ahead on Graceful Truth. We still find ourselves in the first chapter of Romans. Hi and welcome. This is Graceful Truth from Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse, returns us to the book of Romans today. We're taking a look at the Apostle Paul as a servant and then the greatest message ever told, the power of God unto salvation, the gospel. It's all straight ahead on today's broadcast. We would invite you to join us. And then we have an invitation for you to join us for a seminar coming up. That'll be at the close of our broadcast today. But for the meantime, let's return to Romans chapter 1 with today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. Here's Pastor Steve Converse. Don't look out for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Wow. It's always encouraging to me when I can call another pastor, maybe of a, a church that's much larger than ours. And say, you know what? I got this problem. I don't know what, how to do. I don't know what to do about it. Here's what's going on. And I know that other pastor is busy and they got time and they don't have time for this. But you know what? At least the ones I've called have always been willing to share time with me. Albeit just over the phone, but still, that means a lot. I'm sure they're overseeing a lot bigger ministry than, than we have here and they have time schedules that are crunched, but you know what? When they hear someone is in serving the Lord somehow and, and they're willing to spend time with them, that, that really speaks of, of a humble heart. I pray to God that we always, as Christians, are willing to make the time for whoever it is. And I, I always appreciate when you go to uh, events or conferences and, and you'll see certain individuals who are you know, maybe it's a concert or whatever, a musician, and they're up there signing the albums. And you know what? You hang around, you wait, and you say, okay, when are they going to cut this off? And they're there till the end. They're there till the, the last guy in the building comes up, and there's nobody else there. And okay, now I can leave. You know, that's true humility. That's true humility. And that's what Paul's speaking of here, is a humble spirit for mutual benefit and mutual blessing. Well, the next characteristic of a biblical servant Biblical servanthood is a fruitful spirit. Verse 13, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented. Why, Paul? In order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. Paul understood the purpose of ministry. Paul understood the purpose of ministry was not just to, you know, line his pockets with people's money or to create a big sideshow where everybody came to see Paul. That wasn't what he was in, in, about, in it about. He understood the purpose of ministry. He didn't see ministry as an end of everything. He saw it as a means to an end. Sometimes we get confused and we think the purpose of ministry is ministry. <laughs> That's not true. The purpose of ministry is to produce fruit in other people's lives. That's why we do what we do. If fruit isn't being produced, then there's something wrong. The quest for spiritual fruit was basically everything that they did. The, new, the apostles of the New Testament, everything they did was based on, hey, God is going to give us fruit. 
We're going to see people come to know the Lord. We're going to see believers growing, edified. Jesus said in John 15, verse 16, he said this, You have not chosen me, Jesus said, but I chose you, and I ordained you, that you should go, and what does he say? Bring forth fruit. That's what he told his disciples. That's what he tells us. The purpose of ministry is to to see God bless us with fruit. Not so we can say, hey, look at all the big basket of fruit I got. Look at all the work I did. No, it's all for the glory of God. But he also here talks about ministry being kind of a a pressure. And I think what he's talking about here is really the, the person who serves with his whole heart is really focused on, you know what, I want to see you work in the lives of these people, God. I want to see fruit. I'm not willing just to go and prepare and and preach a message and just get through it and say, okay, that's done next. I would not do this for that. I want to see it because I believe, I do this because I believe God will take his word, not mine, his word, and, and cause fruit in your lives and in my life. That's the purpose of it. Some people are just content with prestige and money or acceptance. That's what they're willing to do it for. And sometimes the devil puts little things in our minds and, you know, these people don't care. Why why do I even do this? That's not from God. So you can allow this this pressure to move you in a way that honors the Lord. 2 Timothy 2, verse 6 Paul writes this, the farmer that labors must be first partaker of the fruits. Verse 13 here, he says, I don't want you to be unaware. He kind of uses this, Paul uses this in his writings when he's addressing certain things that he really wants them to pay attention to. It's kind of emphasis, you might say. Paul says, you know what, I want to desperately come to you, but for whatever reason, I haven't been able to. I want to be able to bear some fruit among you. You know, you can measure your commitment to Christ by whether you're more concerned with what happens in others' lives than you are with what happens in your own life. That's a good kind of picture, a good mirror to look at. Am I more concerned about, you know, my Sunday school, how I am as a teacher and and how everything goes and the time I'm putting in, or, or am I more concerned with how are they receiving it? Is it bearing any fruit? Am I more concerned about what happens in other persons' lives than our own, my own? And he says there, look, I've, I've tried to come to you there in Rome, verse 13, but I've been prevented from doing so. And the reason he wanted to come was not to kind of line his pockets with their money or have prestige or whatever. No, he wanted to see God reap a harvest among them. Well, what kind of fruit should we see produced in other people? Basically, the New Testament talks of three, three different ones. Galatians chapter 5, we know that. The fruit of the, the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control, all those things. They're attitudes. Hopefully, we see attitudes being generated in other people as we minister to them. Paul wanted to come to the Romans and kind of help them with having the right kind of attitude. Secondly, there's actions. Fruit is not just what you, attitude you have, but it's also what you do. Romans chapter 6, verse 22, a couple verses there, chapters to the right, Paul said this, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, 
He says this, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end is eternal life. See, Paul is saying that when we've been forgiven by Christ, somehow that should usher us into holy living where fruit is being produced. Life change is happening. Philippians chapter 4 verse 17, Paul said this, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. See, we're all gifted in a lot of different ways. And Paul is saying, hey, I'm not just coming so I can just do this gift, you know, use my own gift or get a gift from you. That's not, I I just want you to, to be better off with the Lord than you were before. Paul wanted to bear fruit among them. And he also wanted to see what fruit that would be instilled in his life as a result of being there with them. The third thing there is not just uh, attitudes and action, but also addition. Romans 16, 5, Paul says this, Greet also the church in their house. Greet my, my beloved Abeneth, who is the first convert to Christ in Asia. It's interesting that Paul talks of them as fruit. The concept of fruit is applied to people who come to Jesus Christ and are added to the body of Christ. I mean, Paul desired people to be saved. Jesus desired people to be saved. God desires people to be saved. I got to ask you a question. Do you desire for people to be saved? And if you do, what are you doing about it? What action is leading to the addition of people to the kingdom of God? Are you willing to go out and share the Lord, share the gospel with those around you? Or are you just comfortable in your, you know, cozy little Christian environment and keep the world at bay? People need the Lord. That's a song, isn't it? Yeah, good song. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.22, I have become all things to all people that by all means I may save some. Stop and think about that. That just goes right along with what he told us in Philippians, right? Have other people's concerns above your own. He says, I have become all things to all people. What does that mean? That means, you know what? If somebody who doesn't know the Lord strikes up a friendship with me, and they're an avid camper, and they say, hey, Pastor Steve, want to go away for a weekend and go up in the, the, the woods and we'll camp out. And Is that something I want to do? No. I don't want to do that. And I could say, you know what? I don't have time. I, you know, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll minister to him some other way. But what Paul is saying is, you know what? If he likes camping, I like camping. That's what he's saying. Now, obviously not in areas of sin, right? I mean, we don't want to cross that line. Maybe camping is a sin. I don't know, but maybe I could find a verse that would support that, that would get me out of that. But, but you know what I'm saying. We need, to, we need to stop our holy huddles and stop our righteous self-righteousness and get out there and rub some elbows with people that need to know the Lord and spend some time with them and show them that, you know what? God loves them and he died for them just this last week. Thursday night, I was down here late doing some stuff, and I heard somebody walk on that pathway, you know, in that metal plate there. It's like, oh, I thought maybe it was Ivor or something down here. So I kind of waited a couple seconds, didn't hear anything. I thought, okay, the door didn't open. Maybe I go out there. I walked out there, and there was a gentleman over here by the nursery. He had a box 
cardboard box, and it was full of boxes, cardboard boxes, all broken down. So I looked down there, and I said, can I help you? And he turned around and looked at me. He goes, oh, oh, hi, hi. Uh, well, just kind of looking maybe for a place to stay, a place to sleep. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm, over, run, I'm on my way to the, make some copies in, in the office. So he kind of walks down. I said, what's your name? He, Roger. You know, so we start talking. And um, he, uh, the whole time, he's, I couldn't see his hand, so he's holding these boxes, right? And kind of had a backpack on and everything. And he seemed, you know, I can read people pretty good. And I thought, oh, he seems kind of harmless or whatever. So I was asking him what he's doing. He's from Sacramento, just passing through. And I wanted to get out of the rain and blah, 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 blah. And um, I said, well, okay, well, uh, you know, you can't really hang out here because the police come through here. They'll, they won't arrest you, but they'll kick you out of here. And, you know, if you try to shelter or did all that, you know. No, I'll just move on. Okay, fine. And... Um, I said, well, I've got to go in here and, and make some copies. And he goes, well, i got something for you. And I'm thinking, oh, man, he's going to stab me or something or shoot me or whatever, you know. So, I'm, you know, we're within four feet of each other, and I'm kind of looking at him, and I just ignored him. <laughs> like I didn't even say, what do you got? You know, I just said, well, like I said, i got to go in here and uh, make some copies. So, excuse me, he was standing in front of the door. And uh, he goes, uh, well, I know I, I was, I was going to share something with you. I said, oh, okay. Because the first time he said it was kind of confrontational. I thought, oh, that doesn't sound good, you know. So he went on to tell me how if you juice onions and squash and put the juice on your head, it stimulates your hair follicles and my hair would grow back. <laughs> I'm standing there going, what are you saying? I, you know, I'm not bald. I shaved my head. Thank you very much. But anyway... Make a long story short, kind of dismissed him. I went in, did my copies, getting ready to get in the car. And I look up and he's hanging around the fellowship hall up there. And so he goes, hey, kind of yelled down. He goes, you you wouldn't have to have a blanket, would you? And it's starting to drizzle. I'm going, oh, Lord. You know, and I'm praying about it. And I thought, I usually don't do this, but I put him in one of these classrooms down here for the night. (laughs) And out of the rain, gave him a heater and. Met him the next morning down at the coffee shop and and uh, said, you know, hey, I'll buy you breakfast and a cup of coffee. and Spent time with Roger for about you know, three, four hours talking. He has a blog. He's not a believer, but he's searching. He said spiritually, gave him some literature. I don't know what's going to come of that. And I don't tell you that to say, oh, look at what I... No, I'm just saying, you know what? That was an inconvenience. That was not something that I had in my schedule. I wanted to go home. I was tired. But you know what? Studying this stuff all week, God just kind of knew that <laughs> I'm going to put this, I'm going to put your teaching to the test. And that's what he did. I don't know what's going to happen to Roger. I don't know if he'll ever come to the Lord. I gave him my card and, and, uh, and told him to stay in touch. And he moved on and went to San Jose and hopefully to Santa Cruz eventually. But see, it's, it's those kind of situations, beloved, that we have to be a little more active in. We have to be willing to get out of our comfort zone. Because that's what God calls us to do. And that's a pressure that that comes from studying and understanding the word of God. When you see the Apostle Paul's life and you realize, wow, he was all things to all people. That's amazing. And with that comes incredible pleasure. Um, If ministry was just about maintaining stuff, I, I wouldn't be in ministry. But there's something pleasurable about being in ministry and seeing God do a work in somebody's heart. To the point where, you know what? 
They're, they're coming along and they're, they're putting the pieces of the puzzle together and you know that God is active there. That's, that's such an encouragement. Well, that's the, the fruitful spirit. The next one is the obedient spirit. And these will go quickly. He says in verse 14, I'm under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. Notice he says he's under obligation. This was not an option for him. That's why I say sometimes, you know, Christianity is not a spectator sport. If you think that you can be a spectator and be a Christian, there's something sorely wrong with your faith. Because that's not what the Bible says. That's not an option. Paul says it was an obligation for him to serve God. He didn't make decisions of ministry just on a whim how he was feeling that day. He didn't sit down one day and say, well, you know, I could be a tent maker or maybe an attorney or a politician or whatever. Ah, I think I'll become a preacher. That sounds pretty good. No. And you talk to anybody who's legitimately in ministry with a calling, and they'll tell you, this is probably the last thing I ever thought I would do. But the Apostle Paul understood that he owed a debt to God, and it gave him that compulsion. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, For I preach the gospel that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me, Paul writes. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. Paul didn't want anybody to put up a statue in his name or name a city after him. That's not what he was looking for. He wasn't looking for you know, those kind of rewards. He did what he did, not to get the adulation of people, but to really serve the Lord that he owed a debt to. I mean, think about what this man was doing before he became a Christian. What was he doing? Paul. He was killing what? Christians, right? I mean, and not just one or two. I mean, you know, I mean, they'd have like killing parties. And he'd, yeah, line them up, you know. Um, and he thought he wasn't doing it maliciously. He thought as a Jew, this is what God called him to do. And now Christ meets him, converts him. Now he, he understands that Christ has, God has forgiven all of his sin. All these people that he killed, all these Christians that he killed, it's all forgiven. I mean, if you can't get your mind around that and understand that when God forgives you, you know, it's, yeah, it's a free gift. It's by grace through faith. All that is true. But you know what? You have to have a sense of debt. And so Paul is saying, don't, don't pat me on the back. Don't pat me on the back saying, oh, boy, you're such a great person. You're such a wonderful apostle. No, he goes, I do this because I have to do it. I owe it. It's a commitment. It's a commitment that only can come from the Lord. I mean, sometimes, you know, I can't wait to get, get over here Sunday and, and share with you what I've learned in the week or maybe the month studying for something or whatever it is. But I'll be honest with you, there's sometimes Sunday morning comes and I'm just going, oh, man, I don't want to do this. I feel like I got nothing, nothing. It's not making any sense. It's not adding up. And I, I just, you know, the fear comes in. It's like, oh, man, this is not going to go well. Why do you do it? You do it because you have a commitment. You made a commitment. And that is so important to understand that we can't just do ministry when we feel like doing ministry. Sometimes ministry isn't exciting. Sometimes God isn't working in incredible, miraculous ways. And sometimes it's a struggle to get through those times. But you know what? When you do, when you do it for the right reason, when you understand that, you know what? I owe a debt and I made a commitment to serve the Lord with my life and I'm going to do it. Period. God will bless that. 
You have an obligation to God, but then also an obligation to man. He says in verse 14, I'm under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. In other words, it doesn't matter who I minister to, Paul's saying. Whoever walks through the door, man, if they need the Lord, I'm here for them. I'm not going to discriminate by age or color or, you know, whatever background, ethnicity. No, I'm here to, to minister to whoever God brings across my path because I'm obligated to them. I mean, if you were driving home this afternoon and you saw a little boy standing in the middle of Jefferson Avenue... I don't think many of you here would say, oh, look at that little boy. He's playing in traffic and just keep on going. You would have an obligation to stop your vehicle, probably right in the middle of the street, turn your forward, run out and grab that kid out of the danger. That's your obligation as another human being. How much more so is our obligation as Christians to those who don't know Christ? James says that we should not have the attitude if a man comes across our path who's in need of clothes or food. We just smile at him and say, I know, be warm. God bless you, brother. Be filled. That's not discharging the debt. That's not living up to the commitment. Paul says he owed the Gentile world the truth. Remember what he was. He was a Pharisee. They don't look kindly on Gentiles. And yet he said, I'm indebted to the Lord because I know they're on their way to hell. And I know the way to heaven. And it's up to me to share that with them. Luke 12, 48, Jesus said, Unto whomever much is given, of him much will be required. You know, we think of that a lot of times monetarily, but I think it applies spiritually. I think it applies for us as believers who's been given freely the forgiveness of God. How could we even think of going another day without sharing the good news of the gospel with somebody, without reaching out and showing somebody Christ's love? And yet we do it all the time. The Apostle Paul was under obligation. And you notice there, he says it doesn't matter who it is, whether it's Greeks, barbarians, wise, unwise, doesn't matter. When a person spoke anything other than Greek, the Greeks basically said, you know what, your, your language sounds just like chatter. That's where you get that word barbarian. Bar, 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 bar. That's, that's what he's saying. What are you saying? We don't even, you don't even make sense. You're unintelligent. And Paul said, you know what? Whether you're some educated Greek or you're some, you know, uneducated barbarian, it doesn't matter. A person's heart is a person's heart. And we just need to be reminded of that. And then the eager spirit, he says there in verse 15, so I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Why is he eager? Because he knows that it's the only hope they have. I think sometimes we think more of somebody's book that they wrote because we recommend their book more than we we are willing to share the gospel with them. Paul says, you know what? I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Even if I'm poured out as a drink offering, he wrote in Philippians, upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. In other words, Whatever it takes, I'm willing to give whatever it takes. He was eager to do that. And the last thing here is that he was also not just eager, but he was bold. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Are you ashamed of the gospel? I'm sure maybe at times we've all been ashamed of the gospel. I think it's the pious Christian who says, oh, no, not me. I've never been ashamed of the gospel. I think we all have been ashamed of the gospel in some way or fashion. And what Paul is saying is, hey, you know what? 
It's the only thing that's available to save the human heart, the glorious gospel of Christ. And I hope and I pray that we'll be bold to share the glorious gospel that we could say with Paul, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why, Paul? Because it's the power of God. The power of God for salvation. To who? To everyone. Everyone who believes. Whether you're Jew, the Jew first, also to the Greek. Covers all the bases. Doesn't discriminate. That's the gospel that we need to be sharing. Well, it is our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade 5. Also, don't forget to mark on your calendar September 11th, Friday and Saturday, September 12th, for NorCal Fire. Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City will play host to NorCal Fire, a wonderful two-day conference getting people fired up to warn the lost of the fire to come. Details can be found at gracebibleonline.org or strivingforeternity.org. Either one of these websites will give you more information. Again, gracebibleonline.org or strivingforeternity.org. You can also call 650-366-9923 for more information. NorCal Fire, make plans to join us. We thank you for joining us today and trust we'll see you again next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth. Graceful Truth.